Well, hey, good morning to you. It is good to see you here. We have had an amazing morning, and I can't wait to see what God's going to say, what God's going to do in this, this time together as well. Let me start with a story. About 12 years ago, we were uh, coming out of a capital campaign. And those are always fun things where you're trying to share big vision and let's give to this big vision and let's go forward together. And, and we had this dream of creating a space for preschool, a space for elementary age school. And we were ready for that, that dream out in front of us. And so we were trying to raise support for that dream. And in doing that, we had just finished a three-year campaign where our church gave above and beyond the tithe to the tune of about $4 million dollars. And what that allowed us to do is to begin building that very dream. Well, in that campaign, I thought about this one family, this one family in particular that kind of came to my attention, and it was a Marine family. And Kathy and Ruben Martinez was their name. And this Marine family, they had two sons, and they were so bought into our student ministry and bought into our kids' ministry, they wanted to see us reach this next day, this new day of, of, of impossibilities. And so they prayed and they gave sacrificially during that time. Over that time that they were with us here in Stafford, they actually adopted a third child from China. And as we watched their family grow, they got excited about what that building could be for their own family. Yet, like a lot of military families, guess what happened? Before we opened up that new building, they got orders to move away to another place. And I thought about that, that if I'm a transitional family that's here for now and not going to be here long, how tempting it would be to not give in a consistent way and especially not give in a sacrificial way to something that you would never, ever get to experience personally. But then I thought about this old ancient proverb, this Greek proverb that says this. It says this. A society grows great when old men plant trees in whose shade they, will, they shall never sit. Isn't that true? See, a lot of you are going to plant trees and you're never going to get to enjoy the shade while you're here. Yet, who's responsible for the mission? We are all responsible for the mission, no matter how short or how long we're going to be here. And I think it's important for us to realize that the kingdom of God goes wherever we go. And God can grow us as we just continue to be faithful to his plans. Last fall, I remember another story. I was preaching uh, for one more, talking about what kind of church that we need to be. And as I finished that second sermon on that day, I was down here at the front. As many people come to meet me and talk with me, they came forward. This one young man walked up and I knew he had Marine written all over him. His haircut gave it away, his tucked in shirt, his aggressive handshake. And he said, hi, Pastor Todd. And he gave me this, do you remember me? And I love that question after I see about 3,000 people on Sunday, right? <laughs> sure, yeah, hey, right? And he said, but maybe you remember my parents, Kathy and Ruben Martinez. And as soon as he said that name, I'm thinking, oh my word, this is like a full circle moment over a decade later. He went on to share with me, hey, I just graduated from Texas A&M. No whoop in this hour, no whoop. My wife's an Aggie. She said, always leave a pause for whoops, right? He said, I just graduated from Texas A&M and I'm now here for TBS. And before I could say anything, he's like, man, this place looks amazing. 
It's amazing what God has done all this time that we've been away. He goes, I can't wait till my family comes up to visit me. I can't wait for them to see what God's doing at Mount Ararat. And I thought, you know what? The seeds that we plant today, we never know how they're going to impact other people's lives. And we never know how we're going to get to receive that impact years later. And so as we talk about this theme of giving, I know that can get be a tense subject to talk about, but that's why Andrew's made us laugh a little bit, to learn some giving principles that can help us. And he gave us three words. See if you remember the words. Week one, he gave us the word percent. And that's, that's how we can measure our giving. Because see, no matter what you give, it's a percent of your income. So what is that percent? Measure it that way. The next word he gave us was priority. Let's give to God first. And as we give to God first, we're showing him we trust him and we're showing him the position he places in our life. And then today's word, the word progress. As we're growing in all aspects of our discipleship, let's continue to grow in our aspect of giving. And this is really important for us as we don't stop at a place called tithe, but we keep growing in that. Now I'm going to ask you to do something very specific. Right now I want you to get out the 90-day giving card. Come on, every single one of you, get it out. Now if you're a guest, don't worry about this. Just watch along as we have a family conversation for just a minute. But everybody that's here, that's committed to being here, that comes and receives the Word of God here and wants to live out the mission with us, get the card out just for a second. And on this card, it says 90-day giving challenge. That's going to start in March, and it's going to take us all the way through May. And we're wanting to measure something very specific in the next 90 days. Now, on the back of the card, it looks like this. It's actually giving you three. No, no, it goes like this. Go back. There we go. Gives you three options of how to take a step. You see, we realize that a lot of times people will come for a season and receive for a season. And maybe you've never had the blessing of giving yet. If you're giving nothing, maybe your move is just to start giving something. I would just simply say measure that giving in area of percent so you can see what you're currently giving and take a step. Maybe you've been giving a percent for a while, maybe two, three, four, eight percent, and you want to finally move to that 10%, that tithe. That might be a big step for you. If that's the step God's leading you to take right now, check that box and take that step. And then the last one says, I'm a tither. But can I go beyond that? Absolutely. And that will kind of help us as we continue to expand what God has placed on our heart as we move forward together. So decide what step you're going to take and check that box. Come on, do that right now as you put in your name and your email. In addition to that, there's one more box to fill out. I want you to quantify your step, what that would actually translate into dollar amount. And so if, you know, if my family is giving 10%, we're going to go to 12% during that 90 days. What does that actually translate into in terms of actual dollars? Now you think, well, why would you go to all that trouble doing that? Well, here's why. We want to be able to come after this weekend and say, as we've challenged for a whole month towards doing this, here's how many people, here's how many families that are willing to take a step of faith. And then we want to total up what could that actually translate into in regards to our mission and in regards to ministry. Now, as you give, maybe you're always confused. What does that actually go to? Well, let me just be real clear with you. As soon as you give to the church, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to give away 10% to making sure we're serving locally and globally outside these walls. Behind that is ministry. Kids ministry, student ministry, adult ministry, anything that we're doing to help people grow in their faith, that is part of what you give to. 
And then facilities, these buildings that we're in, as we pay for the cost of doing business with all these facilities, that's part of what you're giving to. And then the last part is the area of staff and payroll. As you give, that's how we pay our team that's working here on staff. And so as you give, that's what we're going towards. And so we're asking you today to consider taking that step. But today's now it's time to stop talking and praying. Now it's time to actually take the step. So what is going to be your step? Now, as you're filling out that card right now, before we ask you to do something with it, I want you to listen in to one of our very own, our missionary family that we sent a little over two and a half years ago to Papua New Guinea. We're going to get an update by Jason and Lake and Cheeseshell. Come on. Let's watch that. Hey, Mount Ararat. We're Jason and Lake and Cheeseshell, and we're your missionaries out here in Papua New Guinea. We and our two little boys, Thatcher and Copeland, live in a small village called Wabaku. So we've been, for the last year or so, learning the language and culture of Wabaku because we're preparing to present the gospel to them. So our job, uh, day in and day out, is to spend as much time as possible with our Wabaku friends, uh, sitting in their houses, telling stories, and uh, when then we go out to the bush with them. We're learning uh, all about their culture, how they make canoes, how they make houses, how they hunt pigs, how they get fish, all that fun sort of stuff. Uh, should we speak some... Talk place, tribal language. Okay. Alright, alright. Here's some of the tribal language so you can hear it. Amakabi weti domfari. Kakabi iti butanawa denabo. Kafiri dokum na iayere dokum. So, what I just said was, well, I've been telling the story of the little caterpillar, the hungry little caterpillar in Talk Place. So, I said, there's a, hung, there's a hungry little caterpillar, he's in an egg, and then he came out of the egg, he's looking for food. Okay, so that's so weird. <laughs> Should she say something normal? Yeah. Like what? What can I say? Good morning. How are you? Yeah. Good morning. How are you? My name is. Do the usual. Ah, fine. What are about you? My name is Jason. I'm not old bad yet. I said. Uh, good morning. My name is Jason. How are you? The goal is uh, after we understand their language and culture, when we're ready to present the gospel they'll be able to hear it in their own language from someone who understands their culture and they'll be able to hear it from a friend because we'll have been here for a couple of years and we've had time to just build that friendship, build that trust as well. So that's what we've been up to, but we've been asked to talk about or to share about why we give financially even though we're missionaries out here. We give to Mount Ararat because we want to be a part of what you guys, the church, are doing. So when we see things like baptisms and mission trips to Puerto Rico and elevation and wind shape camps, we can be excited about that stuff and we can celebrate all the things that the Lord is going to do through those ministries because we are invested in it. Also, it's easy for us to remember to be generous because every month we're given an account statement with all the names, 200 plus names, of those who give monthly to support our ministry out here in Papua New Guinea. So just as you guys are bought in and invested in our ministry, in the same way we want to be bought in and invested in whatever Mount Ararat is doing back home. So thanks for listening. We love you guys a lot and we're so thankful for each of you. Uh, we'll be home at the end of the year and we look forward to updating you in person about all the things that the Lord is doing out here in Wabagoo. Alright, take care. <laughs> what, how do you finish it? We love you guys a lot. We're so thankful for each of you. 
and um, we'll be home at the end of the year, and we look forward to updating you in person. Oh, Jason! <laughs> Were you laughing at the butterfly? <laughs> I was laughing at you laughing at the butterfly. <laughs> I didn't laugh at the It was like right here, though. And then you started giggling. It was you first, I think. So thanks for listening. We love you guys a lot, and we're so thankful for you. We'll be home at the end of the year, and we... <laughs> Jason! How's my hair? I'm seeing black spots. I just need you to know that. Maybe I... We need to do mine one more time. What do I say at the end, I then? don't know! All right, Mount Ararat, uh, you guys have a good morning. We love you. We'll talk to you later. <laughs> Come on! We're nothing but polished at Mount Ararat all the way. Anybody hungry for some grub worms? No, what I love about that couple is to know that Jason Sheesdell graduated right here at North Stafford High School and Lakin graduated at Mountain View High School. To know how real the call of God is and when God calls people to go, you just take that step and you go. And so the question today is you're holding that commitment card, what would be your step? And could you imagine if all of us together take a step, what could that actually equal out to in amounts? And I thought about this slide one more time when we think about those types of gifts. Just to show you how quickly things can move in a, in a heartbeat. If 500 people walked out of here today and said, you know what, I'm gonna give an extra $100 over the next 90 days. That translates into $50,000. If maybe if somebody walked out of here and said, I'm going to give an extra 500, an extra 1,000, or 3,000, those amounts really are relative based upon your call, your commitment, and what God wants you to do. But look at how quick, if some of us join our hearts to do that, how quick that translates into pretty significant money. And to say, Pastor, why would you put that on there? Do you have somebody that's sitting here that could give $50,000? Yeah, probably. I can't, but I know somebody probably can. And it could be a huge faith step for them. But what is it God's calling you to do? That's all we're asking you to say. And then trust God enough to take a step. Now today we're going to finish our series on faith. So turn with me to 2 Kings chapter 6. And as we finish out this series on faith, we're going to catch back up with Elisha in the story. Now one thing I love about Elijah and Elisha as we've looked over these last eight weeks is that in the Bible... When people walk closely with God, God says things to them and God shows things to them outside of things that he doesn't say to other people. Isn't that true? That when people walk with God, they see and hear things that other people don't see and hear. Well, listen, that's not just contained to the Bible. I believe that's true for your life and my life too. That the closer we walk with God, the more we'll see and the more we hear, hear from God. Do you believe that today? And see, that's what I want us to see and experience in this series on faith. Is that we can walk with God just like these real people did in the Bible. Now, in this theme of Elijah and Elisha, what sets their lives apart is that they hear from God and they don't stop with just listening. They actually take a step. And as I've said the last few weeks, the difference between an extraordinary life and an ordinary life is always just a step. So are you willing to take a step is really what this is all about. Now, 2 Kings chapter 6, the context here is this. All of a sudden, chaos has fallen upon Israel again. There's an enemy nation modern-day Syria, right? And the king of Aram is coming against, coming against Israel. And let me just show you the map because I want to show you how it's doing. They're going to come from the north down here into Israel, the kingdom. 
Now, you're going to hear about a place called Dothan, and you're going to hear a place called Samaria. And so I want to show you in the real context on a map that this is real places that the Bible's talking about. And as we lean in today, the attack shows us some things that I think is helpful for us to also hear, that even though Elisha is walking closely with God, it doesn't mean he's immune from conflict. It doesn't mean he's immune from being disappointed and he's immune from being discouraged. Come on, he's a real person. And even though he walks with God, he still faces the ache of this world. Some of y'all need to hear that today. Because sometimes when we're facing adversity, we think God's not there or God's against us. Well, that's not true. Let's look at the life of Elisha. So let's just listen to what's happening here. Verse 8. Now the king of Aram was at war with Israel. After conferring with his officers, here's what he said. He said, I will set up my camp in such and such place. Now the man of God, Elisha, sent word to the king of Israel, his king. He said, beware of passing that place because the Arameans are going down there. So the king of Israel checked on that place indicated by the man of God, Elisha. And time and time again, Elisha warned the king. And every time he warned the king to be on guard, it was right on time in such of these places. Now the enemy king, the king of Aram, he becomes enraged. He becomes angry. And he summons his officers and he demands something from them. Here's what he says. He said, tell me, which of us is on their side, on the side of the king of Israel? Somebody is giving away all of our plans. Come on, who's the snitch? Who's the mole in our camp? Let's hunt them down. Let's find them out because there's no way they should always be prepared for our attack. And then one of his officers comes up to him and says, No, Lord. No, Lord, my king. It's not us. It's Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel. He tells the king of Israel, your very words that you speak, even those words you speak in the most private places in your life, the words in your bedroom, he's giving away all of your secrets. So the king says, then let's go find him. Let's go find him. Tell me where he is, the king ordered, so I can send the men and capture him. And then a report came back that he's in Dothan. So what did he do? He sent horses and chariots and a strong force of an army to go in at nighttime and to surround the city. Now, come on, can you, can you kind of understand what the story, the tension of the story yet? In this passage here, uh, Elisha continues to get heads up from God. God, even though Israel's not living in a perfect way, God still loves Israel. And on behalf of the man of God, Elisha, he keeps forewarning what's about to happen. And so Elisha turns back to the king and tells him every single time. And they make adjustments to protect their nation once again. And then the enemy king is getting so ramped up and so angry until he finds out that it's this prophet. And so he makes a plan. Let's go capture Let's go capture this supposed man of God. Now, that's where I want us to pick up because these next three verses really are huge and significant. And I want you to see this because I want you to hear what God wants us to hear today. Look at verse 15. Elisha had a servant that worked underneath him. When his servant 
that served him, the man of God, when he got up early that next morning, he goes outside and he looks out and what does he see? He sees the enemy army of horses and chariots surrounding all around the city. He cries out, he says, oh no, oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? Because he knows they have to do something. The enemy's about to come in and capture them. What shall we do, the servant asked. And here's how Elisha responds. He answers this way. He says, don't be afraid. And then he said this, I love this part. Those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Come on, underline that verse in your Bible. That is an awesome verse right there. Those that are on my side are greater than those that are on their side. Whoever's God's with is greater than who God is not with. And as he says this word, Elisha prays a prayer, and here's what he prays. Open his eyes, Lord. Open my servant's eyes, Lord, so that he may see. As soon as he prayed that, the servant's eyes were opened. And he looked around to the hills. And now instead of just seeing the enemy armies, now he sees the hills full, full of horses, full of chariots, full of fire all around Elisha. Come on, heaven has broken into the earth. And what he saw was insurmountable. Now all of a sudden he sees there's a greater army at work. Is this not good? Open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see Today, as we look at this passage of scripture, as we return to the story in the uh, series of Elisha, I want us to kind of lean in because uh, we've been given some imperatives every single weekend. I've been pulling out some imperatives to say, this is what we're to be about, children of God. If we trust God, this is where we're going. And these imperatives, week after week after week, have come straight from the word of God. And today's not going to be any different. So I want you to help me uh, review what are some of the phrases that we've kind of talked about and talked through over the course of the last few weeks. I, it's always dangerous when I ask questions because we have a guest here and I'm going, man, if our church doesn't answer, they make me look stupid, right? <laughs> but you remember this, come on. First week was burn the plows, good answer. The same week was strike the water, yes. And then we went to dig a ditch and then last week hey let's grab a jar good 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 and even in these this series is on faith faith demands surrender faith demands obedience to God in his word faith calls us to a responsibility do your part trust God to do his part and faith requires us to trust him with our little bit of oil that he tells us to grab a jar and see what he can do next. Well, today we get one last imperative and we're gonna use the actual prayer that Elisha prays. He says, open his eyes. And so I'm gonna ask today, open your eyes. Open your eyes so that we may see. That's gonna be a challenge for you today. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ. I would say, God, would you open that person's eyes today to see you for the first time. Some of you are Christians and you've been coming and you worship and I'm gonna ask today, are you seeing as God wants you to see? And if not, God, would you open their eyes today? And even as a pastor, God, open my eyes today to see all that you're doing 
in front of me. You know, as I think about this idea of opening the eyes, I think about this theme of Elisha. Elisha shows us this life of faith. And in this life of faith that's not immune from struggle, he shows us that we can still see things, but sometimes what we see from God is invisible to others. Isn't that true? And as we seek from God, this perspective that God gives us sometimes separates us from others. I would say when God allows you to see something, it's only going to be so long before he makes you do something with what he's shown you. And you move from being a follower to now having to be a leader of what he's actually revealed to you. And so if I were to get into human language outside the Bible and we're talking about seeing, the human word for seeing would be what? We would say it's a vision. To have a vision. Come on, think about how many books are written about vision and purpose when it comes to job or requirement. So let's just think about what is the definition of having a vision. Look at this for a second. A vision is what? It's a picture of the future that produces purpose and passion. Is that not strong? How many of you could use some purpose and some passion? Come on, give me that, Pastor. Give me that in my marriage. Come on, don't raise your hand on that one, but you know what I'm talking about? If I could have some purpose and some passion in this marriage or this job or in my family or whatever, we all want that, right? And really this idea of vision gives us that picture of maybe what's not there yet. Being able to see, though, is so incredibly important to moving forward in faith, is it not? And Elisha, Elisha is able to see some things here that others can't see. And this vision is key. Now, I thought about a couple of things I could illustrate to help you to get this. And I thought the best way to illustrate is to give you some historical, uh, uh, some historical examples of how people have been able to see things and they move forward out. And because they stood out in faith, we get to see the effects of that all these years later. Here we go. Number one, in, in 1774, a leader named John Adams boldly declared his vision for a new nation. A new nation, a union of 13 states, independent of parliament and even the king of England. Against great odds, his words actually became true. Within two years of him sharing those, that prophetic proclamation, the United States of America was born. Come on, is that not a good vision? Is that not a good vision? Praise God for them seeing what wasn't there yet. Here we go on another continent. In 1789, a leader named William Wilberforce stood before British Parliament and he cried out for a day when men, women, and children would no longer be bought and sold like farm animals. So what did he do? Every year he brought a bill before the Parliament. For the next 18 years, that bill will be defeated. But he didn't stop. He continued, he continued, and he continued. And his tireless, tireless campaign against slavery, he continued to present that bill. Finally, in 1833, four days before he dies, that bill was finally passed abolishing slavery. Come on, is that not a good vision? Is that not a good vision? to fight for and to not give up on and to keep pushing through. Come on, real time, real time here. In the 1940s, a young evangelist named Billy Graham, maybe you heard of him, had a radical dream. He and a few college buddies envisioned packing stadiums with people far from God to come and to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. 
Do you realize that a 210 million people have heard live a sermon by the great Billy Graham? And another billion people have heard or watched Billy Graham on radio and TV. What a God-given vision. I think we can all agree that is one that we would celebrate. Is it not? Here we go. In 1963, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. stood on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial in Washington, D.C., and he painted a picture to the world of a world that would be with what? Without prejudice, without hatred, and without racism. His famous words were what? I have a dream that one day my four children will what? will live in a country that will not be judged by the color of their skin, but instead be judged by the content of their character. And although Dr. King was, Dr. King was cruelly assassinated, his dream all these years later continues to live on. Almost 40 years later, his passion still guides us to continue to confront racial barriers. Come on, what a dream, what a vision. You know what? It's so easy for us to hear history and go, well, that's good for them. But you know what I know true to be about God? Is God's given you a dream too. The question is, what is the individual dream that God has given to you? What has he shown you to see? And are you willing to do something with what he's shown you to see? You see, I think God's given our church a dream as well. And are we willing to trust the dream that he's given to us? And are we willing to plant the tree at our hour, even if we don't get to experience the shade? What is God calling us to be about here and now? Do you see? Do you see? Do you see how important faith is in seeing and believing? And God's called us to open up our eyes. Come on, open up our eyes. Say that with me. Open up your eyes. Say it with me. Open up your, your eyes. You know, in the uh, King James Version of Proverbs 29, 18, it says, where there is no vision, people perish. And I think that's true for then, and it's even more true today. Are we willing to live the dreams that God reveals to us? This is why we need mentors like Elisha. This is why we need people that will impart stories, that will share wisdom, that they remind us that we're never supposed to be living life alone, that we need community, that we need one another, that we need people in our lives. Men, we're the worst at this, and I kind of always punch you at that because we're the worst at living emotionally isolated and relationally isolated. But isn't that the best plan of the enemy is to keep you alone and isolated Listen, men, you've got the most awesome opportunity standing out in front of you. We've been talking about it for a month now. This Saturday, we're going to host a men's event, Noble Warrior event, right here in this very room. You don't have to travel to some conference. It's happening right here at Mount Ararat. And you know what I believe? I believe we're going to give you a plan and we're going to give you a path of how you can begin to walk your faith out with some other brothers in Christ. Some of you need to stop resisting this invitation. As soon as the service is over, you need to go out that hallway and you need to sign up to come this Saturday. Don't miss this moment to connect and to grow. 
Now, as I preach the rest of this sermon, I thought I ought, to, I ought to go old school here just for a minute here. Old gospel preacher style. And I ought to tell you today that we're going to talk about faith. Come on. Faith gives us perspective. God's presence. Perspective into God's provision and perspective into God's power. <laughs> right? Do I need to preach that way for you today? Listen, today God does want to talk to us about how we see things. I want you to write down real quickly how we can see things. Faith helps us to see. And the first thing it helps us to see is to see before. Is to see before everyone else sees. That's the blessing of a vision. And that's the curse of a vision. Because you get to see before everybody else sees, which means there's a lot of people that won't see what you see. And so many times when God births something in us, just like Elisha, we get to see it ahead of time. And by seeing it ahead of time, it ought to give us confidence and courage that we can face this little bitty army because God's army is greater. Elisha gets to see something here. And he can't just hold it on for himself. He's got to invite others to come see it too, right? He's got to find others, invite others into this. And I think that leaders, we carry a pressure, don't we, when we're leading others. Because oftentimes we're going we're gonna to see things. And as we begin to step out into those areas of, of challenge, we're going to face opposition immediately. Because I guarantee you this, when you start to step into the unknown, you're going to eventually immediately have somebody in your face saying, you can't do that. You're going to face opposition. You're going to face a critic. You're going to face a barrier of some sort. And then you're going to go, oh, maybe I didn't see what I thought I saw. Isn't that true? But see, faith sees before. So let's just face this right now in your own current situation. Let's get real time for you. Right now, what's the opposition you're facing? Come on. Who's the critic right now you're facing? Who's the doubters in your life right now you're facing? Come on, who's the person? Every time you spend a little bit of time with them, they drain the life out of you. Now, do not point to your spouse if that's true right now. <laughs> We're not going there today, but listen to me. You know this, that the longer you spend time with people telling you you can't, you'll begin to lessen the impact of what God can. But I'm gonna let you in on something. Elisha's no different. He shows us this. He's just like you and me. You will always have doubters. Come on, you know this. You will always have haters. What do haters do? They want to hate, 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 right? Let them drink their hater aid, but don't let them close your eyes. Don't let them close your eyes. God opened your eyes for a reason, and you're going to see something, but you're going to see it before everybody else. And it's hard when you're seeing it ahead of schedule. But even in this, I thought about this theme of opening your eyes and seeing. You see, you need to see God and what he wants to see is possible before it happens. And that seeing will help you to believe. Seeing and believing work together. And so Elisha sees heaven breaking in, doesn't he? All right, number two, faith. You know what it helps us to see? It helps us to see beyond, beyond. And I think that's important because it's so tempting to get stuck in what we're facing right in our face that setback, come on, that discouragement right there. It's so easy to think that this is all there is. And God says, no, 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 your faith has to help you see beyond your current physical opposition. And faith can help us to see past fears. Faith can help us to see past problems if we're willing to see as God shows us. The servant goes out that morning and what does he see? Oh, my word, 
King Aram's men are here and they're about to surround us and they're about to take us. They're about to capture us. They're about to kill us. That's all he could see. That's all he could see. And I think sometimes that's where we get stuck because we think that's really our enemy. Now, I'm not trying to get all weird here. If you don't follow Christ, I know sometimes this is the conversations that gets weird for you to kind of understand about natural and supernatural and all that. But Christians in the room, can we at least talk about where our real enemy lies? It's not a person. It's not a person. Now, let me just rapid fire this for you because sometimes I think I got to do a teaching within the teaching so you don't miss this. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, it talks about where real warfare is. It's not a human being. Here's what Paul writes. He says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. It's not a person that you're really fighting against. But instead, what are you fighting against? The rulers and the authorities against the powers of this dark world. I know we don't like talking about Satan and our accuser and the devil or however you want to say that, but we have an enemy and he's real and he stands against the spiritual forces and he's he's about evil, right? We know that part at least. That is our real opposition. It's not that coworker that annoys us. It really is not. Now, darkness can use that coworker. We know that one, right? But that's not our real enemy. King Aram is not the real enemy here. It's what the enemy above that that wants to do. And what's the enemy's play? He wants to what? He wants us to take our eyes off of God. He doesn't want us to see. He wants us to be blinded, right? Look at this, 2 Corinthians 4, 4 gives us this verse. The God of this age, right here in this time, on this world, the God of this age has blinded. Isn't that interesting? Blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see interesting that they cannot see the light of the gospel which displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God hey Christian in the room you can see the glory of of God because you have met Jesus right so why would you want to turn your eyes away from the light and turn them back to the dark why would you want to be living blinded again you see what our real enemy is and then here's his real motive here you go look at this verse John chapter 8 Verse 44, it says that you belong to your father. He's he's talking in this context. Jesus is talking about those who have turned away from God and living for the enemy, the devil. He says, you belong to your father, the devil. You want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding the truth. And there is no truth in him. And this is the part I want you to see. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, the father of lies. That opposition you're facing, it's the enemy that wants you to close your eyes and to not see what God wants you to see. But see, we can't just see what's in front of us. We got to see beyond. We got to see beyond. I I think about this idea of beyond, and I think about our enemy, Satan, and he is the master of mediocrity, is he not? He loves when we get afraid. He loves when we get stuck, and he absolutely loves when we refuse to take a step in faith. He loves us coming to church and leaving unchanged because he wins at that, doesn't he? And when I think about his tactic, I think about how often he trips and traps so many believers. As I was preparing for this message and and wanting to see God's word lived out in real time, I had a real time moment. Here we go. This week, I knew I had to go a place I had to visit. 
the DMV. (laughs) And your response tells it all, right? We've all had that experience where you go to this place and it's like, I'm never getting out of here, right? And I knew I needed to go. And so I was trying to get the courage to go. And so Friday morning, I got up, it was my day off. And I said, Pam, I got to go to the DMV. I kissed my wife because I may never see her again. (laughs) And I showed up at the DMV early because I wanted to beat the rush and no luck. I'm get there and there's already a line out the door. It's not even open yet. And if you remember Friday, it was raining. So I'm sitting in my car and I'm thinking, I got to go up there and get in that line or I'm going to see more people get in that line. And I went, I don't care. I'm not getting wet for the DMV. I'm just not. So I sat in that car a little longer and I said, when they open the doors, then I'll get out of my car and I'll get in that line and I'll file in like the rest of society and we'll go face this line together, right? Sure enough, they opened up. People start going in. I jump out of the car. I get rained on a little bit, get in line. We go all the way through the line, get into the building, and we're already wrapped around that, that rail, right? I'm going, oh, this is going to be forever, right? So I went in with such a great mindset, right? And as we're in line, I start to realize I left one of my documents in the car. I look behind me, and the line is already way back. I'm going, oh, you got to be kidding me. So I turned around to the guy behind me. I said, hey, hey, I got to get something really quick out of my car. Will you save my spot? He said, sure, sure, go. So I run out to my car. I get my document. I come back in. Thank you so much. I get back in line. And all of a sudden, guess what he says to me? Hey, are you Pastor Todd? I said, yeah. As a matter of fact, I am. Yeah. He said, I didn't know I was standing next to you until you said something. I heard your voice and I went, wow, that's Pastor And so we began to talk while we're waiting in this line. And I'm telling you, what a story. I needed that story on that day. It was powerful. This this man has recently moved his family back here to Virginia. He He got hurt in the war. And he went back to his home of Puerto Rico. And he was living there with his family. And he had just gotten to a place where he had recovered well enough where he could come back here and begin re-engaging as a contractor. And, and sure enough, God opened a door, a favor. He moves back here with his family. And he moved back here literally weeks before the floods happened in Puerto Rico. And now he's living here and he still has family back. He still has a church family back and he's got this tension, but yet he knows God's brought him here for a reason. And here this man's talking to me in the DNV, sharing a little bit of his story. He's only been with us for literally six months or less. And we're having this conversation and then it gets even better. Come on, how many of y'all were here last Sunday? Last Sunday, come on. Now y'all didn't get to experience this beautiful blessing if you came at this hour, but, but last weekend we had what's called Elevation Weekend. We had 200 plus students. We had an, another uh, a, a couple, uh, I think 20 or so college leaders. Then we had host families and all these people, probably about 250, 275 people. And our brand new pastor for students, I love him, Jason Windsor, had the joy of putting all of those people in the middle hour. Now we normally spread them out over all three. He didn't know any better, so he put them all at one. Now, if he'd have done that at eight o'clock, we had plenty of room at eight, but he did it at 9.30 where there's never no room at the end at 9.30. So you know what that did for us that day? It was people on top of people on top of people. At that middle hour, we had people in our chapel. Our chapel was packed. We had people in our prayer room. We had people out here in the cafe. We had people up in the zebra lounge. Yes, we have a zebra lounge and we have people everywhere. 
everywhere. I mean, people on top of people on top of people, but some people were coming in as if they were coming to the DMV. Their attitudes were already wrong and they were seeing everything wrong. And they're like, ah, 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 and they got mad and they left. And I got some great emails this week. Oh, it's been a fun week. (laughs) And I had to go all the way to the DMV to get blessed because this guy behind me with tears in his eyes said, I've been praying for a long time, pastor, for revival to hit our world. And yes, guess what? We ended up out in that cafe last week and I literally got emotional thinking, are we experiencing a revival right here at Mount Ararat? Isn't it imagine when you see beyond your situation and yet so many people can't get there to see beyond. Isn't it true? Come on, I had to go to the DMV to get worship. And that line moved pretty quick as we're talking and it gets even better when I finally got that window. Come on, D6, your number is served. I got to the window and she looked at me and smiled. She said, hey, Pastor Todd. I said, it can't get any better than this, right? And I'm just gonna go on record. That was the most blessed experience I've ever had in DMV. There is a God, there is a God, right? I will never complain again. But listen to me, listen to me. How do we, how do we get to see beyond? Because that's the difference maker, is it not? It's too easy to get frustrated with what's right in front of us that we don't see. We don't see. And Elisha's showing us something here. Come on, servant, open your eyes and see. And when he finally does, wow. When he finally opens up his eyes and sees. It's like what Paul says, I'm going I'm to walk by faith, not by sight, right? He begins to see He begins to see. Number three, faith helps us to see bigger. It helps us to see bigger than what's right in front of us. What I love most about the story is Elisha turns around and helps somebody else immediately to see. And that's what vision, good vision always does. It never stops with one person. It goes further. And where we're called to share the bigger story. And we've got to invite others into that bigger story. Hey, servant, can you see heaven's broken in? you got nothing to be afraid of today. That army that looked insurmountable all of a sudden is defeated before it even starts. But you got to see. you got to see what's all around you. And too often we can't get past what we physically see. But faith sees bigger. It sees bigger. But we live around a lot of people that want us to see smaller. But God wants us to dream bigger. Are we willing to see as God sees? Open your eyes. Open your eyes. Now, I just want to kind of continue the passage because it's really rich what it does next. Verse 18 says this. As soon as they began to see, the enemy begins to come down toward them. And then Elisha prayed another prayer. Instead of praying, hey, open their eyes, guess what he prays this time? He says, God, strike this army with blindness. And then God did it. He struck that whole army with blindness. And then Elisha told them, hey, this is not the road. Come here. This is not the city. Come here. Follow me. I will lead you to the man you're looking for. And he led them out of Dothan all the way down to Samaria. Then they entered this city and they're now surrounded by their enemy. And then Elisha prayed another prayer. Lord, open their eyes so these men can now see. And these men look up and all of a sudden they're surrounded by the enemy. And they're inside Samaria. And then the king of Israel, come on, the gutless king of Israel, sees this moment and asks Elijah, shall I kill them, my father? Shall I kill them? And here's what Elisha says. Do not kill them. Would you kill those who have you captured with your own sword and bow? So instead of killing them, here's what you're going to do. 
set food and water before them so that they may eat and drink and then go back to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And after they finished eating and drinking, he sent them away and they returned to their master. And here's the best part. These bands, these warriors, these raiders never raided Israel again. And what was the weapon? Was it a sword? No, it was kindness of the enemy. What in the world, God? This is such a crazy turn of events where God blinds their enemies and then he leads them right into their hands. Instead of taking their lives, what do they do? They, 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 they do a barbecue for them. They feed them. It's as if God's maybe trying to tell us today that enemy that you think is your enemy, don't let it become your excuse of why you're not taking the next step. Don't use your enemy as an excuse, but instead, why don't you start to see your enemy instead of as an opponent or an obstacle or a barrier, see your enemy as a ministry. What can you do to give to the people that you think are against you? Listen, you guys are a lot more holy than I am. And so sometimes I have to go back to passages of scripture to remind myself of who I am and whose I am and how I need to live. And sometimes in, in when I'm facing fights in my life, I can easily get defensive and want to fight back. And I have to come back and, and read these verses and quote these verses over my life again and again and again. In Romans chapter 12, here's what he says. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Come on, tattoo that verse on your body but be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And here's my favorite part. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, which means it's not always possible, but it's not yours to worry about. You just take care of your responsibility as far as it depends on you. And then he says this, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath for it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. And then he quotes a verse. Look at this verse. He says, if your enemy is hungry, what are you to do? Feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, what are you doing? Give him something to drink. And by your very kindness, it might make them feel the weight of what they've done to you. And in doing this, it will heap burning coals on their head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Is that not a good word today? Listen to me today. As we come back to the words of Elisha, how do we, how do we see before others? How do we see beyond? How do we see bigger? I'm going to invite our worship team back up, and, and our deacons are going to move. And, and today we're going to do the Lord's Supper. We're going to do communion. Can we do that? I love these Sundays where we get to do this. In most weeks, what we would do is we would let our, our deacons serve you right there where you're seated. But you know what? We're in a series where you can't just sit back and receive today. Come on. The title of our series is what? Come on. What is it? Take a step. So today, you know what we need to do? We need to invite you to the table and you've got to be strong enough, bold enough to stand up, take a step and come to the table and come receive this bread and this cup. You like that? Now, some of you, you grew up in traditions where this is your normal. For us, this is not our normal. So I'm gonna explain clearly how we're gonna do this today so that you can come and enjoy what God wants to do today. For starters, let's ask the question, what does this table actually force us to ask of ourselves? Jesus said, whenever you do this meal, do this in remembrance of me. 
And so this very table forces you and I to ask the question, do I have a relationship with Jesus? Am I a Christian? If you're here today and you can say, yes, I'm a Christian, yes, I have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, then I want you to know today, you're invited to come to this table. I don't care how young you are, I don't care how old you are, I don't care if you're a member or not, you are invited to this table if you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus. Because when you come to one of these tables today, you know what you're declaring? That Jesus Christ is Lord over you. Can you make that confession today with your life? Maybe you're here today and you're a Christ follower, but there's some conviction in your life because you know you haven't been walking closely with God. And maybe today before you come to this table, you need to do some business with God. You might need to say, God, I'm sorry, and be clear about some of the things you've been doing wrong with God. God, forgive me for and tell him what you're sorry for. And maybe even invite God into some places in your life where God hadn't been walking with you there. Where do you need to invite God in? That's the question today, if you're a Christian. So in a minute, we're gonna invite you to come to the table and I can't wait to see how God will prompt you to go. But as we said the last few weeks, what gives us eligibility to come to the table, it's not your goodness, it's not your church attendance, it's not what your family believed, it's grace paid the debt. Grace paid the debt. Come on. Grace paid the debt. Jesus made a way for you to come to the table. Now here's what I love. Grace and gratitude and giving all have a relationship together. And so as we've been talking about this whole 90 days of giving, here's what we're gonna add to this today, I love it. When you come up today to receive that grace reminder of what Jesus did to give you relationship, if you are ready to take the next step, have that car filled out, and when you come, or maybe you and your spouse come, or you and your family come, you just fold that card over, and there's a jar on the table, you just simply place that in the jar and says, God, I'm gonna trust you with the next 90 days. And here's what I want you to know. There's no obligation by what you fill out here. We realize this is just an intent, but there's something powerful. When we talk to God and God gives us a faith step and we say, I'm gonna do this, and we simply take a step. And that's what we wanna encourage you to do today is to simply take a step. So here's how I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna pray here's what I'm going to do in my prayer. The first thing I'm going to do is I want to give anyone that's here today that's not a Christian a chance for God to open your eyes so that you could trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you pray salvation today for the very first time, I want you to know today you could come to this table today. This table is for you. It's for you. Then I'm going to create some space for all of our believers to do business with God so that you can have time to talk to God. And there might be some things you need to confess or some areas you need to invite him in so that you can come today with clean hands and a clean heart when you come to this table. Can you do that? And then here's the beauty. When I finish and I say amen, ushers are gonna come to your row 
And if you're ready, at the time they come to your row, your row's gonna get up and go together. They're gonna get around a table that they're invited to do. We're gonna serve everybody the bread and the cup. And then right here at the table, you're gonna take that bread and cup with everybody that's on your row that day. Isn't that cool? If you're not ready to go, you just simply stay seated. That's okay too. And then maybe later as the service goes on, you're finally ready, you just pop up and go to one of the tables. We're totally good with that. There is freedom in this place today. As you come, if you're ready to put your card in there, you put your card in there. If you just wanna come and receive, that's okay too today. That's the freedom of what God has given us today. As we take this table, we're just gonna simply take a step. Take a step, are you ready? Come on, are you ready to take a step? Father God, thank you for what you've done this morning. Thank you, God, for the way you've reached us with your words. So God, I'm gonna borrow the prayer of Elisha right now. Would you open up our eyes? Everybody here in this room, would you open up our eyes? Everybody watching online, would you open up our eyes so that we may see Jesus. God, I believe today you're knocking on somebody's heart. And today, God, that person that keeps resisting faith because you can't, you can't answer every question that they've asked so far. At least that's what they think. But God, they're here again today. And today, God, would you open their eyes up, that most stubborn person? Would you open up that person that's hurting? Would you open up their eyes to see that you're a God that's not against them, but you're a God that's for them? Would you open up that person's eyes today that think they've gone too far, they've done too much? No way would you ever love them. No way would you ever forgive them. Would you show them today that you died on a cross so that you could reach them today? God, open their eyes to that grace. Open their eyes to your mercy. Open your eyes to Jesus today. Come on, am I talking to you? If I'm talking to you, would you just pray to God? You gotta take a step and your step is prayer. Tell God this in prayer, say this to him. Say, God, you're speaking to me. Tell him that. God, today you've opened my eyes. I see that Jesus is my only way. I'm trusting Jesus to forgive me of my sin and to make me new. God, I'm yours and I'm gonna live for you. Thank you for saving me. God, pray right now for my brand new brother and sister that just confessed and believed. Today, God, as they get up out of their row and come to this table, Would you bless them? Would you encourage them as a brand new person to the family? Would you welcome them to the table? And God, for the Christian today that's sitting here with us and watching online, would you help us to be honest before you? Right here where we're seated, I'm gonna give you right now some space. Would you just talk to God? Say, God, would you forgive me and fill in the gap? Forgive me for this. Tell him that. Come on, tell him. invite him into some places that are broken 
Come on, invite them into your family. Invite them into your work. Invite them into your relationships where you've been holding them back. Come on, talk to him. What's the area? Oh God, thank you today for opening up our eyes. Now lead us as we take part in this time of communion. And God, after each row comes up and receives, God, may they return back and just keep worshiping you. I love that this hour is gonna take some time so that we can worship a little longer. God, what a blessing we have today to not rush out of here, but to stay in your presence. God, open our eyes so that we might see as we sing, as we receive, as we give, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on.